Hello, and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Comics. I'm Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask. Hey! Hello! So we're uh, gathering again in the evening. Are you drinking a coffee today, Taylor? Ah, well, I'm drinking a tea. Um, Oh, you know. Tea and comics, that works. That's that's fine. Well, it's, it's, it reminds me of our late night session where we had, like, I think I had wine that one night. Yeah, or cucumber water. It was something really bougie. But in this case, I'm, I'm back. Water, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm back to Starbucks this week. Um, yeah. it's back on that Starbucks bullshit. We, because again, once for the, for the record, and hopefully, you know, if, if in the event they're listening, this will be a good public service announcement. The local coffee shop down the street from my studio office that I'm in right now is this wonderful little place called Sonder Coffee and Tea. They just happen to not have brew coffee in the afternoon for some bizarre reason. So I have to, like, I, I don't want to spend five bucks on a latte in the afternoon all the time. So I just went to Starbucks and they happen to have this white tea. It's actually the uh, Tivana Defense Oh, so okay. I got I love that. The, I love the flavor of defense. That's a real, <laughs> that's like one of my favorites. Defense yeah. against so, the dark arts. That's, you know, <laughs> that's what this is. So yeah. What about, what about you? What are you rocking this week? Uh, no coffee for me because it is, this is an evening, evening time podcast um, that we're doing, but I've got an update on uh, last week's pick, which was my, I just picked up some, um, uh, coffee from a local Orange County roaster called Keen Coffee. I'd gotten the Kenyan roast, mm. and I've got it. T- so I'd, I'd left, if you recall, I'd left it sitting in the like my living room all day. And every time I walked through my living room, I was like, "Oh, this smells so delicious!" So I've finally, uh, you know, been enjoying it, actually drinking it, and it is just as amazing as it smelled. So um, it's going to be hard, to get, like, to motivate myself to try. Now that I, I have gotten a couple of roasts where I know sort of the the chemistry that we talked about. You know, I know how many uh, how many scoops and how much uh, vanilla sweetener. If I want that, and how much milk, it's going to be hard for me to start breaking out and trying more stuff because I keep wanting to go back to the favorites. You know. So. Oh yeah. Well, and let's be honest. Once once you really get in a nice groove with coffee, it's you, you want to just stay there as long as possible. At some point, you get tired of it and you move on. But you know, why why chance it, Todd? When you know you've got such a great blend <clears throat> right in front of you. Exactly. Well, should we jump right into the comics? Uh, I guess uh, if we succinctly explain what we do. Yes. Well, what, what we do here in Coffee and Comics is we each have a drink, uh, coffee or tea or some other sort of thing that we talk about. And then we get into reviewing a book, comic or graphic novel, you know, in the comics world. And it could be anything from an indie pick to, uh, you know, something more mainstream to something really off the beaten path. And we've kind of covered a wide breadth of stuff. You can go back and listen to past episodes and catch up. um, And you can listen to these anytime. We try to record these so that you don't have to go out, you know, like the week that you listen to this doesn't have to be the same week. And we hopefully try to put these out right on New Comics Day, which is every Wednesday. So hopefully you're listening to this on the way to the the shop and you'll get something to pick up at the shop and come back and discuss it with us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I like the way you set that up because it sounds very much like one of our early episodes that I recently re-listened to um, because my pick is uh, Rocket Girl. Of course, you are a Rocket Girl fan. I forgot about this. Yeah, in um, in episode number 46, um, wherein you talked about Pyongyang, um, I talked about Rocket Girl Volume 1. This is Volume 2. I think it came out in December. Okay. Uh, and it, I, so I went back and listened to our podcast to, you know, hear what the points were that I hit during that one. Um, 
So the, the brief story of Rocket Girl is that she is from the year 2013. Mm-hmm. And she time travels back to 1986 to stop the creation of this thing called the Q engine, which is made by Quentin Mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do that, she runs into some grad students who are working on the original project and works with them to destroy it. And then it is rebuilt, you know, kind of uh, the, there's there similar themes that we have seen before where it's falling into the hands of sort of the, uh, you know, the corporate, you know, the, the corporation or the state. And there's, there's just some general shenanigans there. And can she rally all the students to help her out and destroy it again? The whole story is set with flashbacks to 2013. And one of the interesting standout ideas in rocket girl is that they refer to 2013 as the past because the idea is she's left 2013 to go to 1986. So now she's actually going to change the eventual 2013. So the 2013 that we're revisiting has, has actually already happened and won't happen again. In other words. So it's kind of, I mean, you and I talked a little bit about time travel in that uh, episode number 46. Uh, and we've talked about it in other sci-fi episodes. Um, so at the end of volume one, they have destroyed it and uh, rocket girl suit which is like a jet pack and uh, oh I, I forgot an important part in 2013 the police are teenagers um, okay. and <laughs> so she is like 14 15 something and she is uh, in the teen New York teen police force and her jet pack and suit from the future that has all this technology is it like almost like a police car it's got sirens and lights on it and she has a little zapper and so that's what she uses to fight crime um, there are two secu- the reason they are the, uh, they're the only ones that can be trusted in the future, the teenagers, um, because everyone else sort of works for this one corporation, but eventually that corporation takes over everything and the teen police force realizes they're about to be obsolete. So they, uh, um, the main character, um, Dayung Johansson, she's the, uh, teenage girl that jumps back to 1986 to try to fix all this. Okay. Caught up. <laughs> um, so at the end of volume one, she is, um, she, her suit has been taken from her and it's in the lab. Uh, and she turns off her, uh, oh crap. I can't remember what it's called. It's basically like her phone, her tablet, but it's got a Q name because everything in the future is Quentin mechanics made. So it's a, you know, the Q pad or something like that. Um, and she, and it's kind of left with like, oh, is she just going to try to live a normal life? you know, as a, a teenage girl in 1986. And one of the things that was interesting that you and I brought up was like that specific setting of 1986. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, well, volume one was only issues one through five. Um, I don't know if it's going, you know, and like a lot of image titles, this was a, a, a chase scene, you know, from the beginning of the, of that volume, it was like watching a whole season of just a chase, you know, mm-hmm. the security officers who jump back in time to stop her, and her her quest to destroy this engine so that none of this technology can be invented in the future. So um, it, it was you know it was, it was pretty like breakneck through through those five issues. And then we wondered if that setting of 1986 would mean more in subsequent issues. Like, are they you know why did they pick that year specifically? Mm-hmm. And so having read Volume Two, I can tell you, no, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, they picked. It's just a know, cool. It's just a they, cool thing yeah. to draw stuff that they like. Basically. Totally. I mean, it may it may have meant something to the creators. There may be a a hidden code in here. Um, mm. So, uh, but it's not. It doesn't become so specific that. It is one, you know, the, the reference you and I made was Stranger Things. Like, is there a yeah. reason, you know, is it like Stranger Things was like in 1982, you know, yeah. that, that whole kind of thing. So I, my, my read of this um, was I, I, I was, I was really kind of um, bothered by a few things that it, are, are, are storytelling issues that I, I specifically notice in comics where, mm -hmm. You know, um, one of the issues that came up when you and I discussed volume one is how, like, how much I love the art of this, which is by Amy Reader. And we talked about the long time thing that you and I've talked about a lot, which is uh, we will gloss over a bad story if it has great art, mm -hmm. but it's hard for us to pay attention to a great story if it has poor art. <laughs> and I felt yes. like, oh, I'm I'm into this story and art wise, you know. And in this one, the art continues to be amazing. But there mm -hmm. were these things like in, in comic books, often the way that, and this is nothing uh, radical to suggest or <laughs> like in any way interesting or new, but it's obviously the art and the writing, you can shortcut some things because of that. You know, it's not like a novel where there has to be this exposition that explains, you know, the, the setting and all that kind of stuff. You can see that visually. Mm -hmm. It's much more like film in that way. Okay. But this takes shortcuts that I specifically notice in other comics that are too short, mm. you know, and I, it kept bothering me. Like there kept being these jumps from, for example, uh, Da Young, the, the girl whose time traveled back, the main sort of genius in this laboratory is named Annie. And she, you know, Annie does some things to piss her off. And um, Da Young feels like she's got to teach her this lesson and it, not, not teach her a lesson, but it, it, she's sort of like, I know, you know, I know the future and you need to listen to me mm -hmm. and you need to stop thinking about this problem and just act. Mm -hmm. And she gets angry in this like out of proportion way <laughs> that lasts through most of the arc. Oh, and, and so mm -hmm. as a reader, you're like, I, I mean, at least I, I kept going like, oh, my God, like, what is wrong with this girl? Like, this is just um, way out of proportion for what, yeah. what, she, what she, she's way overreacting. And because of that, all these things, the way it would like sort of skip around, you know, when they would do a flashback, it, it felt like, I don't know, it just felt like uh, emotionally the story wasn't ready to sort of just jump off of that. You know, it was like there was no resolution. It would just cut back. And now we're in the future where the Quentin Mechanics uh, Corporation has shut off all the power and somehow no one can even see the sun in New York City. And now, to clarify real quick, and for those of you who didn't listen to the first episode we did on this, as DeYoung is, is doing things in the past, do you keep flashing forward to see the future change accordingly? Or is her basically her future a splinter reality that Great is question. separate from what <laughs> the future is that's being created. Is it like, is it like trunks in dragon ball Z where he can come back and change things, but his future still remains the same. Well, <laughs> I don't know anything about dragon ball Z, what? but how dare um, you <laughs> the, uh, but it is uh, that's a great question because that's something we as just sort of savvy 
you know, time traveling story readers ask. And one of the clever things that um, I I wanted to get the writer's name, Brandon Montclair um, and Amy reader do is they address that question in the book. Mm -hmm. So when it jumps back to the future and, or the teenage commissioner of the teenage cops um, and they have scenes with him, he has to go get, uh, Dayong's original partner, who's also a teenager who lives with her parents, and he has to go recruit her to kind of um, go on a little mission with him, a little fact-finding investigation. Uh, and they have to tell her, well, Dayong has jumped back into the past. Mm. And, and they have that conversation of like, well, wait, are we living in the future that's already changed? Like, or what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And they know they are going to uh, this Quentin uh, Mechanics Corporation is uh, like the technology is overseen by this person named Joshua. And so, and actually it's in a cool thing. Uh, sorry for this aside, but in a cool thing for this uh, volume, they've, they do a recap of all the characters at the beginning of it. So it's really easy to follow. You know, it's really like a real nice recap of like, oh yeah, okay. That's Dayong and that's Annie and that's oh, kind of like the commissioner kinda like, and, and Joshua. Like in- the invincible sort of catch up that I mentioned last week. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like, I love that. I love that image titles do that from time to time. Yeah. And, and Joshua you're reminded of in the beginning is like, uh, you know, sort of faceless and, and Mm -hmm. the Joshua is even written like, like a screen name, you know, with a dollar sign for the S and it's, so -hmm. it's sort of like, and a, and a zero for the O. So it's sort of like, we don't know who this person is or, you know, uh, what power they hold anyway. So the teen commissioner and the two teenage cops that he's recruited to go on this break into Quentin mechanics. And they basically have that same conversation that you ask about. Like they find some important people there and they are saying, don't you get it? Like you're already in the future that's been created. Like this Mm -hmm. isn't, you know, you can't, but do they? Not, but do they know that? Do they know? Are they saying that definitively, or are they saying that? Well, we think this is the case. Like, well, that- they say it definitively. Okay. And one of the great. So, as I said, I was I was very I was very frustrated reading this because I felt like God, these things are like off the handle. I I don't get the characterization of some of these things, and it felt like when they were jumping from scene to scene, it was very haphazard. Like it was sort of going at the pace of the first volume, where I wanted it to develop more of the story. You know, there's, there's an important flashback to, which is an an actual literal flashback to like 2011 when Dayong and I think her name is Tosh, uh, her first partner go out on like one of their missions and, and, you know, Dayong is like, Hey, forget the, screw the, screw the rules. You know, we're doing this. um, We're just going after the bad guys and we know where the bad guys are. And she goes, tries to do this bust and they almost get killed. And she says, okay, we're just going by the, the book after that, you know, so they established mm-hmm. this thing of like that something has to scare them into going by the book from that, from that moment yeah, on. It, and it, it. it, but it, it almost makes it more jarring because then you're back in 1986 and she's way off the book. And so mm-hmm. you're trying to, anyway, that, <laughs> that is all to establish that when it gets to the end, I, 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 the only thing I could find to compare this to <laughs> is the hold the door moment <laughs> in game of thrones oh my god it is that's not, a pretty big shout out wow yeah uh, especially because this must i'm assuming that the work for this was completed uh before we actually saw that episode mm-hmm. and it, it, it's not as 
because I mean, just because of the way it's told and it's a comic, it's not as like mind blowing plot wise. There's just a, I, I like try and say this without spoilers. There is a, there are some pieces that you put together in the writing mm-hmm. that I see. I mean, seriously. So it's like, I'm reading this and I'm frustrated and I was kind of annoyed that I had picked it because I thought, Oh, it's going to go by so quickly. I'm not really going to have a lot to say for this. And then this thing happened and I was, and I felt so stupid for not putting it together because I'd actually noticed the first part of these clues, like before I started uh, reading it nice. and I just didn't, you know, I just didn't like synthesize it. Basically, I didn't say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And anyway, so. Um, Can I ask you, well, be, well, wait, hold that moment. Does it have anything to do with Annie being some sort of future person important in Dai Yung's life that she didn't realize or was involved? Is, is Annie somehow future scaping or is that unrelated? You're, that's, uh, you're, you're picking up, like you're, you're out of the blue picking up on something interesting, which is like, uh, Yes, but it, it works in the reverse. Dayong uh-huh. knows who Annie is in the future, but the way they've told this story is, is so it gives you the reader the the impression that like she doesn't know Annie's future. Got and so it. that okay. is where all that frustration is, is because she's not saying I know the future. She's saying I know your future. Wow. And and then there's and then they do this thing where I know a lot of people like when you get to a, a time travel story or any kind of sci-fi where there have been little clues like that, just mm-hmm. any kind of plot, you know, you, you when it's something you can figure out, a lot of times that feels it, it feels too tropey or something, and you think like, oh, I saw that coming, yeah. and it, you you sort of take the the you know wind out of your own sails that way. Mm-hmm. But this one does a great job of like you figure out what's going to happen in this big reveal scene, Mm -hmm. but that's, it's so much more satisfying when you Mm -hmm. see it get revealed because it's like all of a sudden, all these things that seemed uh, disconnected sort of fall into place. It's, It's that thing that you, it's almost like the excitement of knowing the writers are as smart as you hoped they would be. Right. Comes through. And it's like, right. It's, it's that feeling. And I've referenced lost on this show. And I was going to reference lost. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. that feeling. Cause like, that's what we want. That's why right. lost was such a letdown. Cause you're like, Oh, please. Surely they know. Surely yeah. they know. And even if it ends up being what you think, just the idea, the satisfaction of going, Oh my God, they knew they had a plan. And then when they didn't, it's like, Oh, exactly. And oh. then it makes, it made me feel so, stupid for being frustrated because I ended up being very sad. like, I saw it, you know, I was like, Oh, yeah. I get it. This is going to, this piece is going to oh. fall here. This piece is going to fall here. And I was like, yes, that is the ending I wanted to this story. And then I figured out that. And then I hit that, that line where I put the verbal pieces together. Yeah. And so annoyed with myself. You just, I mean, seriously, like went, just went to bed, like angry, like lying in my bed. Like I cannot believe I didn't put that clue together because it would, I mean, on one hand it might've spoiled the whole thing, but yeah. anyway, I, I don't want to go too far into that. But I, what I will say that'll put a perfect cap on this is um, it is my understanding um, that this comic is over. So, Oh my God. That, after volume two. Yeah. So that makes me, that makes me Whoa. enjoy everything so much more because Holy it's crap. like that whole excitement of issue uh, volume one and then the sort of frustration, but then the satisfaction of volume two, mm-hmm. this is like, Oh, I, I'm going to reread these two volumes. You know, like this is yeah. going to be a movie that I revisit yeah. and watch it because it's still, 
everything in that in you know in that uh, previous podcast about volume one everything about the art still holds up in this one like it is just they do this great job of uh there'll be big action sequences that are split into these really interesting panel layouts mm-hmm. um it's just very colorful and the characterization of the you know each individual character is just right on like none of it looks phoned in you know like mm-hmm. this is a beautiful looking but fun comic book it's not you know it's not like it's not, I kept saying artsy fartsy in our last podcast. I don't know why, uh, but it's not, you know, it's not artsy. It's not weird or something like that. It's just like vibrant and, uh, and full of action. Like the action scenes are really awesome. And there's actually little sort of clues that you'll notice in the action scenes that they do a really good job of like showing that, you know, like a blast hit the jetpack, And, and that's, you know, like there's a, there's a scene where there's a blur of a fight and it, I'm staring at it going like, I don't understand what, part of whose body hit this person. And then the next panel you see, um, uh, Dayong's knees are bloody. And I realized like, Oh, she like flipped up and hit him in the face with her knee. And that's why her knee is bloody because it broke his nose. And it was just very, very cool. So I really, really love this. And even more now that I know it's done and definitely think if you're interested in, you know, sci-fi time travel, just beautiful sort of, uh, superhero looking action art. This is for you. You've, you've sold me. <laughs> you sold me with, with the whole, the door being a moment kind of a, a sort of a moment. And then the fact that this is done, I will say for those of you listening, um, if you look at the art, it rem- and tell me if you agree or disagree, Todd, it looks like it's, we're almost seeing storyboards for an animated series. Like it looks like yeah. it, these could easily be panels from just an actual, like kick-ass adult swim, or probably not even that, but just like a really great, like, um, Tanami sort of show that's just really yeah. cool and interesting. So, and I, I guess since we're doing this on video, like uh, maybe there's a little bit you can see where this is just sort of one of those huge double page layouts, you know, where it's wow, kind of twisted yeah. and it's, um, it, it, yeah, it is so fun to look at. Um, and yeah, I mean, I really, I, the only reason I didn't go back and like reread it just to review it for this was I want to go back to volume one. Uh, and read yeah. that and read this. And and also, you know, last week um, I did uh, Black Science Volume 6. And I have, vo- you know, Saga Volume 8, 12, 13, whatever, sitting, waiting to be read. And um, I was so excited to see uh, the series is wrapped up. Yeah. I, that's Isn't that great? great? It's like a British series. It's like a British yeah. TV series where they're like, two seasons, that's it. That's our vision. We'll move on to something else. Like, I like when there's like, it's it doesn't have to go like... In, again, for the 90th time I'll reference East to West, like clearly East of West is meant to be this sprawling epic. I like the counterpoint where it's like, nope, here's the story done. Moving on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it makes it so much more accessible too. where, um, and East of West, again, I think we both said this in uh, Pyongyang in that Pyongyang episode number, uh, you know, that I keep referencing was that uh, we, I read volume one and -hmm. couldn't get into any more of it, you know, yeah, and, yeah. but it's almost not because I didn't like it, but because I really loved it. And I, I was sort of overwhelmed by, Oh my God, there's so many issues I would have to read to catch up. So, so why, don't, why don't I just so wait till it's all done yeah, you know? all right, all right, and then all right. get omnibus editions or something like that. Um, but anyway, it's uh, yeah, this is an easy one to jump into. And uh, you know, I'm going to look up more of Amy readers work because this is so, so the style that I love. <laughs> One more question for our listeners, digital yeah. or physical? Actually, this one, um, I, I don't really think it matters. I think oh. in our last episode, you and I talked about, we both, 
at least you for sure, and possibly me, got the first comic mm -hmm. uh, digitally from one of Image's sales. Yep. And if you can find it digitally, I mean, you saw that layout there, but I, I, it's it is made in that way of like a modern comic that I bet the digital version is done really well. I hope it is. I mean, I I, I hope it's got that guided view on it. Oh um, yeah. I yeah. know sometimes Image Comics they just sort of flatly transfer the. Um, Sometimes if you get the, if you get image on comiXology, comiXology's uh, guided view is a little better or different. Okay. Yeah, actually that's a great thing to note because I've bought a lot of image stuff directly from the image store digitally. And that's when it, I've, at least to my recollection, it's, it's pretty flat and like yeah. you're just sort of swiping the pages, but yeah, I would say get the comiXology versions or get the, you know, get it in a, in, in paperback. It's, it's fun. You'll want to go back to it, but it's not a, you know, as much as I love the art, I wouldn't insist on having the artifact of this for hmm, sure. Fair enough. So, fair enough. Yeah. <clears throat> well, my pick, Todd, is one that I have been sitting on for quite a while. I've referenced oh, it in boy. other. I've referenced it in other episodes. It is one of my favorite uh, series. Just period. Not even current series, but just series. Period. It's published by Image, and it is. They're not like us. Oh, volume nice. one. And I freaking you, and this is one of those series where you see it's the, like many image titles, you, you know, the, the graphic art, uh, you know, the, the logo, the design, the branding, if you will, is, is really great. You often see, um, you know, you often see like the covers, the mysterious covers that kind of like Watchmen style feature a panel from that issue. And you see like that logo on it. So oftentimes if you walk into a shop, this is probably something you've, you've run into. Um, it is the greatest I would say this and No Mercy are the greatest Netflix series that have never been made yet. <laughs> and it's a it's a book that I desperately hope nobody options until I become a successful director because I really want I want to make this as a movie or a TV series, preferably a TV series. And the the best part is it it volume 1 is laid out like season 1 of a of a show, like right up to like the cliffhanger ending where you're like, "Oh my god, I need to watch season two right now it's i mean this is like house of cards in terms of its structure um some top line notes a uh, story by eric stevenson art by uh simon or simone gain i don't want to presume the gender of this person and then a uh, color by jory belair and it's published by image of course like most of our picks are but this is <laughs> this is a really really think about this book as a really indie um x-men story um, okay. it, you know, it's an ex and one that nobody's going to be wearing a costume for. This is not like, unlike nowhere men, which is a similar kind of vibe. It's kind of an origin story about a, a group of people with powers or abilities getting together. That feels a bit more, you know, kind of like, Oh, they're going to put on you know suits at some point. This is not that this is the indie movie, you know, very, you know, like what you see here is what you get. Like it's these people, everyday lives. It's it, basically the whole concept of both volumes one and two centers around this group of teenagers or, or young 20 somethings um, with abilities getting together. They're ostracized from society. Again, very X-Men like, but they get together and they're sort of led by this enigmatic character called the voice, which is this, this dude who wears a suit. Um, you know, he's in his early forties, you know, di you know, disheveled. He's a, you know, he's got telepathy. So he's a mind reader. And the story starts with volume one. Anyway, it starts with our protagonist. You can see her right here. Maybe. Yep. Her name is Sid or side. I call her Sid, but some other people call her side. That's her nickname. You really don't get a lot of her real name and 
I'll get into that in a second, but it starts with her. The very first page is she's going to jump off a building and commit suicide. And you really don't know why, but she's talking about how like, you know, she, you know, everybody, she, everybody's afraid of her. You know, all, you know, she doesn't belong anywhere. And the voice, you know, kind of the, the main, you know, the, the Charles Xavier of this whole thing walks up behind her and tells her not to jump. She still jumps, but then we cut right away to her in a hospital bed. She's alive, but she's in the hospital. And the voice and some of the other sort of members of this of this group uh, sort of sneak her out of the hospital and take her to their mansion. And from there, you learn all about this group of people, where they come from, their backgrounds, and sort of what they're what they're supposed to be doing. Um, what I love about this book is that it's a very nice, slow story that takes all the time it wants to flesh out all these great characters. You know, it doesn't rush through it. It, it there's a there's a, a, a pace to everything. Like it's, it's, it never feels like it's just dragging along. Um, and every issue dovetails nicely into you know, every other issue. So I would highly, highly recommend get the trade paperback. Don't, don't delve into the individual issues. And especially <laughs> as you, because you can't, you cannot consume the story one month at a time. It's just not going to mm. work. It, it has to be straight through. And then as soon as you're done with this, when you want to pick up volume two, which is also out and just blaze through that as well. Um, please, please do that. So but in the, that, oh, let ahead. me ask you, you just, you said something that um, harkens back to that, that uh, conversation we had about Rocket Girl volume one, which was um, we had said, you know, a lot of times those image volume ones present this very action filled story that has a cliffhanger and it kind of gets you through that first season really quickly. Yeah. Is vo this volume one though, you're saying is it, it, you're, it's, it has a pace, but it still takes its time. It, it takes its time to get in the game. Like there's there, the arc of what's moving ahead of like what's motivating these people. And actually volume one tells a, a concise story start to finish. Oh. So if they never made anything else, there'd be a lot of hang loose ends, but you'd feel like, Oh, okay. I, I got a nice little self-contained story, but it, it ends, it ends volume one. with like, Oh shit. Now, now what? And you really very much like a, the ending of a TV season where you're like, that was satisfying. I can stop, but I'm really anxious for what's coming next. And where I think to answer your question, like it takes its time to really tell these great character moments, but there's still a drive to that ending, um, a drive because you right away, you, you know, right almost from maybe the middle of, ep you know, I was going to say episode one of issue one, you get the sense that there are certain characters in conflict with others, but you don't quite know why and they sort of drop these things. in. so as, as moments happen, interactions happen, they don't feel foreign or forced. You're just like, oh, that's what this is about. That's what that look was that he gave this other person. Like this is, you know, you're, it, it doesn't, it doesn't spoon feed you anything. You know, you just got to pay attention and, and kind of delve into it. Um, so are they a superhero squad? No, the, okay. the big difference, I would say some really interesting themes. Um, one of the biggest ones is uh, just the idea of teenage rebellion. You know, like um, the group of people that are assembled, they're all, you know, from different walks of life, but there's very much a rebellious spirit to all of them. You know, they're, they're taking on new names, new identities. They're sort of, you know, they're going out into the world and like kind of doing whatever they want. Like there's one scene that's kind of a little disturbing where they, um, you know, they trick a guy into basically give, handing over his really awesome vintage headphones and because they just take what they want. Um, and that's something that the voice, the main guy kind of, um, you know, uh, injects into the, their thinking, you know, he very much, there's, it, it's almost kind of like the voices, Charles Xavier, but with Magneto's, um, sort of superiority complex, but 
but like with a lot of money and he just, he's kind of lazy and doesn't care, you know? So it's like, he's constantly telling them, you know, like we're better than everybody else. Like this is, you know, we, you've been ostracized too long. So there's, it's just that, it's that drive, that sort of Pinocchio Island, you know, kind of aspect. The other thing I think, the other big theme is just discover, you know, the idea of discovering yourself and where you fit in the world, you know, things that X-Men do very well, but this does a very sort of very grounded take on it. Um, and so through Sid, you know, the main protagonist, you kind of, you see all these other characters, but you also get really into her head, why she thinks what she does, why, she, you know, where she agrees or disagrees with, you know, the voice or rest, you know, the rest of the group, um, you know, alliances are formed and it, it just, it, like any group in this situation, it's treated very, very, you know, I, I believe every single thing that these characters are doing, like this is exactly what would happen, which is great. So that doesn't, it, I think the, the abilities or the powers um, are, you know, they're very understated. You see them demonstrated, but it's not like, this isn't about like waiting, you know, to page 10 where you see somebody fly. It's not, it's not about that. It's about the internal drama of these characters who can kind of do whatever they want and how do they relate together? How do they relate to the rest of the world or the outside world? Um, another thing that I love about it is the art. It's strange. The art, normally I wouldn't like this kind of art um, because it's very pencil driven, you know, like it's got, Oops, there we go. It's got like, um, you know, you can tell like this was meant to be like in somebody's, like somebody's notebook, right? It's like, it's <laughs> got that very, it's not digital like East of West is or even like yeah. Rocket Girl. It's got that, you know, it's, there's some rough edges to it and it was colored in, but I, it works so well for this story. It gives it an extra sense of sort of organic feel to it that I think, again, downplays the the you know the normal comic bookiness of a superhero story like this is not a superhero story this is a a story about people with abilities and problems and how they sort of mm. fit together again like x-men but this is it's almost like they intentionally did everything they could to make it as indian hipster as possible but still tell some of you know kind of delve into some of those themes so have you are remind me are you reading nowhere men or have yes. you read it okay I'm reading so nowhere same, men. same writer um, um is it I think it is. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It's interesting that it is because nowhere men's on hiatus. Um, oh, okay. And they, it keeps going back and forth like volume one's up and then volume two is kind of done, but not, but you can tell like there's, you know, they're, they're probably setting up for six volumes, but who knows when we're ever going to get those. Uh, they're not like us seems to be on a nice schedule. I think they took a little time off, but mm. um, volume two is already out They're You know, they're working. I think the, the next round of issues is coming out as we speak. I have to wait. I can't pick up the individual issues because I need to, like I said, I need to consume it all at once. Yeah. I, I noticed that uh, volume three comes out in May. Um, but it, and so it looks like there was a two year gap between volume two and volume three. Yeah. It um, took some time. One year gap between one and two. So is it, have you read volume two yet? Oh yeah, I own volume two as well. Okay. And, and just a quick shout out to volume two. It's not, if you get through volume one, you're like, God dang it, I need, to, I need to go keep going. And you get volume two, it's still good, but it goes a lot slower. Like, okay. like I said, there's a there's a well, Actually, that was of, what I was going to ask, was if it sort of picked up in volume two. No, I mean, there's a feeling of like, you know, as scenes happen in volume one, you feel like, oh, this is the next day, or, you know, this is a week later. Like, you know, time's just kind of moving and we're dropping in at very specific moments. So that- adds to the feeling of the story progressing volume two is more about like there's a little of that but a lot of volume two happens in the same room over the course of mm. the same two hours and you're just like what is but it but it introduces some really meaty sort of uh character moments too so it's it's a different kind of story than volume one but still still worth it and again this series 
this should be optioned now. Like this, this <laughs> it's, I, I can't stress that enough. It's such a great, like, I want to see this on TV. It would be so easy and cheap to do. I mean, it would, you could do it with the same budget or less than like Jessica Jones. I mean, it's, it, and in fact, that's a great sort of um, comparison point. Like as you never think of Jessica Jones as a superhero with a costume and yay, right. like, this is very much like, I should have thought of this from the beginning. If you like Jessica Jones on Netflix, like this is very much in that vein, you know, like um, even the, you know, the, uh, the voice is kind of very purple man esque. He doesn't, he doesn't do sinister, like sick crap, like the purple man, does, like um, Kilgrave yeah. does, but it's still that kind of like very kind of similar sort of character. In fact, it was funny before Jessica Jones came out, I was thinking, Oh, it'd be great to see David Tennant in this role of the voice. Mm. And then they cast him as Kilgrave. So there's, there's a lot of sort of comparisons to be made to Jessica Jones. So is, um, I, I mean, you touched on this, that it's character driven. Um, is it, is volume one mostly Sid's story or does it get into moments with all of them? I mean, do you really feel like, you know, all of these characters? You feel like you know most of them. There's a couple they, they leave out intentionally um, okay. for story reasons, but you do like there's, you see it through Sid's eyes, but you do definitely see like other people in the house, you know, how long she has little conversations with them. She, you know, there's a, there's another character who's um, he's deaf in real life or he's um, mute in real life, but he can bring Sid into sort of his mind Mm. VR world and there they can talk to each other and stuff. And so you get to hear more about his, you know, there's a relationship kind of forming between those two. And he's sort of his, he's sort of her Morpheus. He trains her, you know, in this mind world and everything. So there's a lot of little things like that too, but you get the only one you don't really, there's a, there's a, a kid who's kind of, you don't know what his deal is. And then the voice you learn a little bit about, but it, they intentionally keep him kind of opaque and you learn a lot more about him in volume two um, because not this isn't a spoiler so much, but as the story progresses, you get the increasing sense that that Sid and the voice are going to be at odds sooner or later, and just sort of what how that could happen or or what, you know why she would deviate from him like that's that's worth paying attention to. So do you get the idea that the story is progressing towards an end in that way, or is it just kind of open ended like they're just going to keep building this world? I mean, they definitely, there's definitely somewhere it's going because some pretty, even by the end of, of volume one, some pretty, some pretty very specific, very final kinds of things happen. Um, mm. So there's, there's got to be a plan, but it does feel like instead of, you know, I don't necessarily think they have six years all mapped out. I think, again, much like a TV season, they're like, hey, we know what the next season's going to be. Right. But after that, we some loose ideas, but every year we come back and map it out and then do that season. Then we go away and take a break and then come back again. I think it's more like that. Well, I think uh, that's a, I mean, this, this is probably going to, it should be a recurring theme in, in, you know, you and I talking about comic books, specifically image stuff, because I've thought a lot about that black science volume that mm -hmm. I talked about in our last episode and how the, the way, you know, I thought this was heading to a, a you know, a, a wrap up kind of thing. You know, I thought there was an end in sight and it seems now at volume six, there is no end in sight. It's, it's really just an ongoing sort of space series. You know, it's like, it's like just Star Trek or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but it would be very hard for them to wrap it up in that nice satisfactory way now, because pretty much every volume has a climax. Yeah. And so I, I was just thinking about that as you were saying that volume one, um, you know, if they're not like us, how it, it, it could be its own standalone story. Like it comes to a conclusion. Mm -hmm. So that just makes me think like, Oh, well, you know, so maybe, you know, maybe there isn't going to be a big, huge climax. Maybe that's a thing for us to watch in image comic books, you know? 
I, do, I think that's there's what threw definitely... me about Rocket Girl Volume Two was I kept waiting like why well, don't you know is this gonna is this actual confrontation gonna happen in Volume Three like why is there all this agitation here but it it just turned out like no they're just gonna resolve it all. There's definitely they're definitely heading towards something. Um, yeah, what that some is kind of showdown. <laughs> some kind of showdown, but who that who that involves is very fluid right now. And like what I mean, they're they're still introducing new characters in Volume Two, so who knows? Yeah. Um, and maybe it's one of those things where like, um, uh, like oblivion song I reviewed last week, maybe it's, it's one of those things where they, they, the end, you know, where we end up is very, very different from where we started. Right. Um, but there's definitely like, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, how like you, you see a story, it, I'll liken it to the ending of justice league, the movie where, you know, at the very, the movie ends, I know it's a p- terrible comparison, but like at the ending well, of that I'm movie, wondering, like, which ending, <laughs> wait, it ends. You're like, well, that's the end of the story. But then like, you know, Lex Luthor's on his boat or yeah. his yacht, and, and he's like, well, maybe we should, it, it, there's a lot of, there's that kind of a twist at the end where you're just like, Oh, this is right, going, right. you know? And it, it doesn't have to, but I mean, I'm glad it does. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's great. I would say to answer my digital physical question, um, I think you could get it in. I mean, I think it could work in both just like rocket girl, but I like, there's something about sort of the way they, they organize the panels, seeing what's coming, um, does sort of, it makes the story feel a little bit more, I don't know. I, just, I like it a little bit better, but I think you could definitely like, you know, the panels are pretty straightforward. I think you could yeah. definitely get this in digital and be just as happy. One of the things I do like about physical though, is that you, they've got all their great sort of like infographic things that they do. Yeah. Um, you know, these are all like, this just says, find your truth, face your truth, speak your truth, be your truth. Like there's all these kind of like youth, youth and rebellion kind of memes scattered throughout. So I like that it does sort of help. That's you know, a great lock, thing. Lock in the story. We should also point that out when we read physical over digital, because in rocket girl volume one, at least at the end, there's like bits of the script and stuff like that. And actually mm-hmm. volume, in volume two as well. Like, so, um, yeah, you know, you're getting like kind of the DVD extras or whatever, yeah. sometimes in, in the print version. And sometimes you get them in digital too. They're just not as satisfying. You know, like I, one of the reasons uh, a previous pick I had was, um, uh, uh, Freaking hate Fairyland. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hate, or I, I hate Fairyland. Yeah, it, I hate Fairyland. The hardcover edition. It's you want that physicality of it because it feels like a storybook, but it also has like a bunch of you know DVD extras, like you said. That yeah. you you want that on your shelf with all that stuff in it. It just feels better. And so I would love. I think if they put this out in an omnibus version when they're all said and done, or at least you know organized you know volumes one through three, I think I'll swap out my trades and get that because I do want it in one big version, but the trade is, is just as good. Yeah. You know, I got to look into this. Uh, did you know Comixology has an unlimited subscription <laughs> for $6 a month? Uh, we're not, we're not paid by Comixology or anything, but uh, I got to look into it. Cause it's not like every title's available, but in some of these things like this, it would, I would love to read a few issues, you know, of they're not like us to see if I'm into it and then, and then pick up like an omnibus edition or something, you know? And, um, I don't know if it's an ongoing series like that. So do you, um, do you have any like news or inclination that it's going to run for a while? I hope so. I'm going to look up an image right as we speak. Yeah. I mean, I pulled it up and I, I just saw that date for volume three, but, but no real news there. Yeah. I think, I mean, my guess is the creators who work on this work on other stuff. Yeah. So I think it's, it's one of those things where if they can get in a nice groove again, um, that's awesome. And volume three, yeah, volume three is coming out and you can even see like volume three's cover sort of suggests where the story's going. Um, ah, okay. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll throw that. If you're looking, you're like, Whoa, that's about like, that's, 
So is you're, that the voice on the left? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you're, and Sid is on the right. So you're kind of, you know, it's, it's again, that's not a spoiler because the journey is so much more satisfying than just simply knowing that. I mean, you get a sense of that from basically issue one, but how we get there and why we get there and who we've, how the characters evolve in the process is, is way more interesting. Cool. Man, another two image picks for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really solid ones. I these, these are the kinds of image books that that make me love image all the more because they're you would yeah. never see these otherwise. Um, you know, the image when you sort of have a really nice plan and a, and a schedule and you really you know you've got a great team to pull it off. Image is a great platform for you, and um, I just I I'm really excited to see where Volume Three goes, and hopefully I'll be back in May with uh, with that review. Yeah. Perfect. Well, uh, we don't. You don't have to wait till May for another episode of the Todd and Taylor Show, Coffee That's and right. Comics Edition. Uh, where can people find us, Taylor? You can find us anywhere podcasts are listened to: Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and you can also find us online. We are at findusthere.org. Sweet, and we're on all social media as Find Us There. Um, we've got a we've got a couple of podcasts on hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of things on hiatus, and hopefully they will all return shortly for you to enjoy them as well. Yes. Um, thanks very much. Until next time, I don't know. We don't actually have an ending. Until next we're time, <laughs> we're Until us. Time. We're us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you, Taylor.